love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I'm here with my co-host, Haley Chura. And Haley, it is race week for you. You are- Yeah, well, welcome back, oh. Alyssa. It's oh, been yeah. a couple of weeks. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. I guess- A lot has happened. Just, yeah, a lot has, well, I guess a lot has happened, but it feels like just yesterday, but I guess that's because we've been busy behind the scenes, still making sure to get a lot of great interviews for everyone. Um, coming up in the next couple of months as we head into world championship season for triathlon racing. Um, we've been knocking those interviews out. So I have been seeing you and talking to you over the last two weeks as we've gathered a few of those. So I, I do feel like we've been recording, but we just haven't been, I guess, talking to the audience. So that's a good reminder. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, no, it's, it's good to be back in this capacity and I'm excited to put out a new show this week, but yes, it is race week. I'm headed to Milwaukee, which I think, I mean, the last time we chatted and had a show, I didn't know I had qualified for this race. Yeah, I think so you got that the email like right after we recorded or something. It had to have been very quickly after I feel like. I think it was, it was, it was like within hours after. So when we recorded, I did not know that, but then it was within a few hours. I Got the email with the invite to race the PTO, Professional Triathletes Organization, U.S. Open race in Milwaukee that is, for the women, is happening this Saturday, August 5th. And I had, I think, previously said on the show that, you know, if I got an invite, I would take it. And I saw that email. I was like, yes. And then I, like, looked down and I was like, oh, my God, this race starts at 4 p.m. in Milwaukee. (laughs) And I was like wait, was this a good idea? And then I was like, you know, like working on booking flights and hotels and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, Hmm, I don't know. But, um, but anyway, I am headed to Milwaukee this week. I'm excited. I'm excited for the experience of racing a PTO open. I think it's going to be a really, really strong field. Um, you know, we have the likes of Taylor Nib and Ashley gentle and, uh, just some really, really, really strong women. I think the whole start list looks really strong. Um, you know, it will probably be hot and humid starting a little later in the day. If folks are in Milwaukee for the, um, age group us age, what is it? What do we call it? USAT USA triathlon age group nationals. Um, that's going on at the same time. And so it's kind of a fun weekend. Like, I think if you want to watch the men's race, that's 4 PM Friday. And then and I think the Olympus age group nationals is Saturday morning. And I actually have a couple athletes racing that. And then the women's PTO pro race is 4 PM Saturday. And then Sunday morning is the sprint for age group nationals, which is, I have a couple more athletes racing that as well. So I got to somehow, I'm like, I'm, just, I'm not worried as much. I'm worried more about the race, but then also my post race, like how I managed to pack my bike. And then also make it to that start the next morning, you know, considering it's a four, I mean, three and a half, four hour race. So we're talking like I finished around 8 PM Whoa. and <laughs> then I got to be up cheering the next morning. <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah, this is going to be a, I got to put all my like logistics to work and it probably won't be a lot of sleep. Um, but I mean, I guess I can sleep in race morning. I don't know. I mean, how have you done a 4 PM start ever? So I have done some ultras ultra marathon races have had like later starts. I don't think I ever did. I've only done like the absurdly early ones for triathlon. I feel like you and I like both have seen that, but 
I'm trying to think if there's anything late in the day, but I've done like a 6 p.m. ultra marathon start, a midnight ultra start, I think a 10 p.m. one time. So like I definitely have started later in the day and I don't love it. I'll tell you the truth. Um, definitely don't love it. I feel like I am a morning person through and through. I'd rather see a like 3 a.m. start than, you know, a 6 p.m. start or something like that. But, um, you know, other than I will say like other than my own mental chip on my shoulder about the start time, it always like went okay. Right. Like there was never anything that happened during the race that I can blame on an afternoon or evening start or anything like that. So, so that's good. Right. I don't think, um, I don't think it's detrimental to performance, but I do think it requires like a different kind of mentality to be resting in the morning and like, yes, trying to stay off your feet, staying hydrated, eating like bland food. Don't go crazy and do anything, you know, for you maybe like stick to just very bland stuff that day. Yeah. I know it'll be, it'll be a new experience for me. (laughs) So I just have to embrace that and hopefully I can handle, you know, any heat and humidity in Milwaukee. We've had like some warmer days here in Bozeman, but um, you know, it's been, it's been a pretty nice summer here. And then I do think, you know, again, if you're in Milwaukee, hopefully you can come cheer. That'd be kind of cool. It's, it should be a really spectator friendly course because I think it's a two loop swim, like seven lap bike and five lap run, I think. So it's, it's a hundred kilometers total, which two K swim, uh, 80 K or about 50 mile bike. And then, uh, 18 K or about 10 and a half mile run. And, um, so, I mean, it's going to be fast and you'll get to see a lot. And then if you are not in Milwaukee, I do think the broadcast for this race should be pretty good. Um, I think that you can watch it on the PTO hub YouTube channel. Um, if you go to pro pro you can kind of see, uh, or you can get the app if you want to watch it on the PTO plus app or a link to watch it on your web browser, or you can also watch a, um, and so that would be live. If you want to watch it live, which is starts at 4 PM, I think central time. I think Milwaukee feels like central time. Hopefully I have that right. Um, and I, uh, that's when the race starts on Saturday. And then if you want to watch the highlight show, that will be on Sunday, August 6th. So one day later at 1 PM Eastern time on CNBC. So, and that's in the U S um, you know, if you are in, there's a slightly different, different broadcast schedule there, but, um, kind of cool. They're putting out a, a highlight show that quick. Yeah, that's really exciting. Milwaukee is in central time. I just Googled and checked. So um, that's good to know for you going and participating. And then also for everyone trying to make sure we watch the live broadcast. I will try and tune in. I will be Haley. I have some very exciting news actually of something, a development in my life in the last couple of weeks. And it is about where I will be this upcoming weekend. It is not in Milwaukee. Oh, where are you headed? I am headed to LA to see my sister and Taylor Swift. Haley, I'm taking a page out of your book and being like, you know what? The best lead in to a really big race is going to Taylor Swift before and seeing that concert and just having, yeah, hopefully a like core memory of my life by doing that concert. Um, and I'm excited. Wait, which So which night are you going? Because I know she's playing like six nights in LA, right? Yeah, I think I'm going to be there the second night. Um, so I think it's, she starts in LA on Thursday, I think. And I'm going on Friday night. Okay, Friday night. I know, because I think, you know, all the rumors are that like the last show is on August 9th and that's the like eight, nine and she might announce 
1989 Taylor's version. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. You like, were ahead of me in the rumors. Okay. Oh, I, I know. know all the rumors. I There's mean, like, okay, I, are you I ready? Think... Are you ready for the concert? Do you have friendship bracelets? Like, do you have, I'm so excited for you, but um, you know, since this has been a spur of the moment kind of thing, like, do you have your outfit? Do you have your friendship bracelets? Do you have your like plan for the day hydration plan? So we do have friendship bracelets. I was in charge of getting friendship bracelets. So I got, I didn't make them. I'm sorry. I, did you make yours or did you? No, my okay. friend Megan bought them. On okay. Etsy. I, yeah. I ordered them on Etsy, which like, I felt, you know, I was like someone who makes really cute ones. I'm just going to buy um buy them on Etsy so I got them on Etsy but then I did get like two special ones that's a Los Angeles that like we'll make sure to be keeping they're very cute um and then I did I did get an outfit Haley I'm very excited about the outfit because it's like a lot of sequins I got like sequin shorts I got a sequin jacket um lots of sequins I got some sparkly tights to wear it's gonna be gonna be fun my sister was kind of like um you're dressing up like and I was like Leah we have to dress up so then she is hopefully going to jump on board I think she said she found some sequins to try and match so um we are excited we are since it's Friday um Leah is working a little bit in the day and then we it's at the SoFi Stadium is that what people call it SoFi yeah everyone's like very excited when I say that's that's where it is it's I don't new. know it's yeah, brand okay. new or, I mean it was okay. new like a few years ago and I think like initially in 2020 Taylor was supposed to op- like be the first opening act in that new stadium and it was the first time a woman had like opened a stadium I think with a concert and um, that was like with lover fest and then it got canceled because of the pandemic. So that didn't happen, but I do think she's the first, I mean, it has to be the first artist to play six nights in a row there. Like, yeah. I can't imagine anyone <laughs> else has done that. <laughs> I know. I know. And she's playing with Heim, which is, um, I'm really excited about. I love Heim. I think they're like a great, do you like no body, band. no crime. Cause they've, oh, been, they've been doing that one as a duet, yes, or, uh, not I duet, mean, but like a group. <laughs> Oh yeah. That's like, that's probably one of my favorite Taylor songs. Like if I was ranking a top 10, that's definitely, I think in my top 10, I think. Um, but I always have this question about that song because, and I could probably just Google and look it up because like all of Taylor's songs are about like her real life. And then there's this song and I'm like, no, Evermore and Folklore are, are not autobiographical. She says, okay. (laughs) So they're more fictional. So I don't think, I don't think she's you know, participated in, in a crime, but okay. there's no body. So there's no crime. It's right there in title. So it's fine. It's totally fine. But that is a great song. And I do, I think that'll be so fun to watch them uh, perform together. And I do think getting into the opening acts, like I loved the opening acts and I just thought it like, it did set the tone. I mean, I will suggest timing your bathroom break, you know, like trying to like time yeah. a bathroom break for before Taylor comes on. Cause once she comes on, it's like, you do not want to have to go anywhere. Um, but you do want to stay hydrated. So it's like a very, it's like a hard, you know, balance, balance there. Yeah. And then what about your footwear? What are you wearing for shoes? Well, definitely something comfortable because of my current knee situation. Oh, so yeah. I can't get very adventurous anyway, but I think my sister, my sister's closet is pretty stocked full of options, I think. So I think she said she has some like ankle booties, like boots kind of that I can wear or something, something comfortable. I mean, it's, it's like, you don't want to sit down. And so it's just like, I, yeah, I do think that is like good advice to wear comfortable shoes, but I forgot about your knee situation. How is your knee doing? What's the update on that? It is going okay. I mean, it seems like, you know, 
every time I am training on it, like some other part of the leg is kind of acting up. And it's, so it's, it's definitely right now a constant, um, cat and mouse chase, I guess I kind of feel like, because, you know, what is wrong with it is actually not good. Right. And so like, it's not like I'm ever going to be able to just fix the knee until I have surgery. Right. So at this point, it truly is a game of like managing everything that's going wrong because of the meniscus like extruding. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's frustrating in that sense that it's always something acting up, but it's also good that I am, I'm training, I am doing the things I need to be doing, which is good. Um, and getting through it, but it is like, it's so, it's such a good lesson in how our bodies are connected and how like the one little thing can cause this whole like butterfly effect of all of the other things you feel in that's that area of your body. Right. So, um, yeah, a little bit of a cat and mouse game, but I am, I am training on it. So here we are, Haley. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to get to do any swimming while you're in, uh, California? Like, are you going to pop in the ocean? I think so. So there's, I think like tower 26 has their Friday morning ocean swims that one of my athletes usually goes to if the surf's not too bad. And so, um, I think it's like a little ways away from my sister. I still have to nail down the details, but, um, I'm hoping to actually she's in Venice, get she's there. In Venice, right? So yeah. So it's, Santa Monica. Close, right? it's like a mile. You could okay. run there. Okay. Yeah. So I'm hoping to maybe pop into that swim because I do want to swim in the ocean, but I also want to do it with plenty of people around because I don't love ocean swims. So, um, I am planning on that. And then I think they have some outdoor pools (laughs) in California, I believe is a a trend that happens in on the West coast. So I'm hoping to get to an outdoor pool and maybe some nice sun tanning time too. Um, and I just saw, yeah, I just saw a text from my sister that asking if I want to soul cycle over the weekend. So maybe I'll do some soul cycling, um, as well with her. So I've okay. I've only done soul cycle once and it was also with my sister in Santa Monica. And actually it was quite fun. (laughs) It's like weirdly intense. Like, I think it's like one of those things, like they do like a, it's like a 40 second warm up, and then it's like, go. And I was like, ah, (laughs) this is not what I'm used to. And then, you know, it's a lot of like arms and like a lot of like rhythm you know, or, and it's like, yeah. And dance, like, I guess the one I did, she didn't do too much dancing, but, um, but yeah, that part was hard. And then it was like, um, yeah, it was definitely a little different than the average trainer workout, but yeah. entertaining. Yeah. I see the so, appeal. So we'll see. Yeah. No, my sister's a big soul cycler. She loves it. Um, but we'll and it might be one of the outdoor ones. They have it like on oh. the beach sometimes they have okay. it like this one I went with my sister was like outdoors. It was like on a rooftop. And so it was nice. Yeah. (laughs) Like everything is just a little bit like nicer in California. Maybe (laughs) I don't know, but, um, well, that sounds like a very, very good trip. And, you know, one other thing I think, uh, you know, this happened since we last chatted and I think you, I mean, we like alluded to it, but did you see the Barbie movie? Oh yes, Haley. I did get to see the Barbie movie this past weekend. I went with a few friends and I'm assuming does, have you gotten a chance to see? I know you've been training I did. training hard now. Okay. I so what did, first of all, did you dress up for that? Did you dress up for the Barbie movie? I wore pink earrings and, um, my sister sent me some pink Birkenstocks for my birthday. And so I wore those. So like, it wasn't like full on out, but I felt somewhat festive. <laughs> Okay. Did you, did you dress up? Um, so we actually, my friends and I, we met at the thrift store ahead of time to like, look for any last minute, like perfect Barbie gear. And 
I obviously, you know, having been sponsored by Smash West Queen for the last like many years, I have a ton of pink um, workout clothes, especially. So I did kind of think about going that route, but then I I had the I have this like athleta romper that I never wear anywhere, and it's like orange and pink and Barbie-ish colored. So I was like, I'm going to finally wear this thing that I got on sale once and have not worn since. So. Um, I did wear, I feel, feel like that was like a Barbie-ish outfit. Like I definitely got dressed with Barbie in mind. We'll say that. Um, okay. and I wore my pink Birkenstock. So there we go. Um, but what did you think of the movie? Oh, I loved it. I like laughed. I cried. I thought it was spectacular. It was like visually stunning. Acting was incredible. Um, you know, I, I don't want to give any spoilers, but I thought it lived up to expectations, you know, which is hard to do. And I feel like, I mean, I feel like it is similar. I know that a lot has been talked about with like Taylor Swift and the era's tour and the Barbie movie. And just like, I think even our conversation with Christine, you, uh, about up to speed previous to our break, where we talked about, you know, that stat by like 2028, 70 some percent of discretionary spending is going to be done by women. And we're seeing like, you know, these record setting concerts and record setting movies and, and um, you know, female centric. And I think that that's kind of cool because we are seeing the the purchasing power of women and, you know, and that there is a market for these kind of things. And, and I recognize I'm very much the target market for both of these. And, um, you know, but I'm like, okay, I love it. And yes, I did go spend my money on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, I feel like the movie de- totally lived up to expectations too. It was one of those things where like, as I was reflecting on it though, um, I will say, I was remind you know that quote that's something like you have to laugh because you'll like cry your eyes out if you don't laugh right like part of me definitely feels that way about the Barbie movie because I was like okay it's like good and it was like a fun lighthearted experience to like watch the movie and blah 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 but like also it makes me like so sad at the same time that like these movies have to exist right and it's like it's like the movie itself is so ridiculous in so many ways and I'm like but that is how I feel about life sometimes. Like these challenges that women face are so ridiculous, right? And it's like, I appreciated the opportunity to see it in that light because it is like, I don't know, so gut-wrenching sometimes to think about those things. But it's but as they said, the first step is like calling it out. Yes, and yes, so, for sure. You know, so no, it is, good. it's it a is. first step. We need mm-hmm. more, we need more. But um, but I thought it was a, a beautiful, well done, like I said, laugh, cry, first step. Agreed. Agreed. And I guess, is that all of our, Oh, the other, we'll like catch everyone up on all the the things. Um, I am here in Vermont and we did right after, I think as I was talking to you in the last episode we put out, it was raining very heavily and, um, we got hit with some flooding and some of the recording we've done in the last two weeks, I was literally at the town hotspot because I had no internet for about a week, um, recording there after the flooding kind of knocked out a big portion of the road I live on, but then, um, the like internet and power lines with it. So I am happy to report that we have internet back. I'm back recording at my own house, which is nice, Haley. Um, and Vermont is like definitely doing much better with all this rain, but I am looking forward to hopefully like a rain-free few days here because it it has like for the last couple weeks been pretty hard I think with continued rainfall in Vermont so um definitely you know we're getting back there I think that's yeah the last big life glad things are okay was your pool okay because you know it's like like water systems were okay yeah all of that was good it was very heavily dependent on like the town and the 
how much in the valley or close to the river or like the local, you know, the nearest dam kind of for the river nearby, how like how much that affected things. And so um, some towns came out like very much unscathed, like where my pool is. But then, you know, literally 15 minutes away from that town, another town was like completely, you know, really destroyed and like has a lot of damage that still needs to be fixed. So just kind of an interesting, you know, look at geography and how much that plays into it. But um, for the most part, I think people are bouncing back, towns are bouncing back and um, putting in the hard work it takes to like get, you know, the, the damage repaired. So, um, so yeah, but I think, I think that's all the life updates. Any other, anything else on, on your horizon, Haley? I think that's all I, I, all I got is this, uh, oh, if, I mean, I know this comes out on Thursday. And so if you haven't listened in the morning and you're in Milwaukee, um, I do think at 1215, uh, central time. So just afternoon central time, uh, we are recording a live podcast for if we were riding. So that'll be like Sarah gross, Kelly O'Mara, myself, Sarah true, and possibly Vic Brumfield, um, from USA triathlon. And so, um, you know, I think it will be near the race like expo area and, um, I think it will be released on Friday, so you can always catch it there. But if you happen to be in Milwaukee and you hear this in the morning and you have, you want to come say hi, um, definitely come say hi. I do think Kelly and, um, Sarah will be, Sarah Gross will be on site in Milwaukee doing a lot of media around the race. So hopefully, um, you know, hopefully there'll be a lot of good content this weekend. So that was a uh, one more update from Milwaukee. Yeah, very cool. And Haley, we're not going to do any mailbags this week, but you can send in mailbag questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Haley, are you ready to hear who we interviewed for this week? Yeah. Who are we chatting with? We are talking to Brittany Higgins. Brittany has been on the podium for 70.3s in the last couple of seasons and in May had a breakthrough at the full Ironman distance, placing fourth at Ironman Brazil with a time of 937. Brittany has been a professional since 2014, but in 2018, she reprioritized with life and work, allowing her to focus more fully on training and racing while still work, working part-time. And so she talks to us about all of that, about her love of racing, about how she's feeling heading into the 73, 70.3 World Championships in Finland. And all of that is up with our chat with Brittany next. Hi, Brittany. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, thank you for having me on today. So we're going to just jump right in here and start finding out about life for you because you recently posted that you have started running again since an ankle injury that you sustained at Ironman Brazil in at the end of May. So can you tell us more about that injury and kind of where, yeah, where you are now with it? Yeah, actually it, it happened sometime during the race and I did feel it while I was running, but <clears throat> Usually, you know, when you're racing, you don't really pay attention to that until at the finish line, you can hardly walk, but <laughs> it, <clears throat> it ended up being an alignment issue. So it has nothing really to do with my muscles and ligaments. It was just, um, my ankle got out of alignment. There was a lot of cobblestone and stuff. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but I didn't know that at first. So, um, I waited like, I don't know, probably a week to see if it just would get better. And then it didn't. And I tried running after a week. And then I finally went into my PT and he was like, yeah, you're going to have to get something done to, you know, get it back in alignment. So that took like two times we had to do that. I think I did a little too much after the first time, 
So the second, after the second time, by then it had been almost like three weeks since I had ran. And so I just didn't put any pressure on my ankle for like three days. And it was hard for me to sit still for three days. <laughs> but after that, you know, within like five to six days of that, um, I could run again. And it's been uh, back to 100%. So I'm back to running and enjoying it. <laughs> so what were your symptoms? Was it just like really inflamed coming out of the race? Yes, it was swollen for like a day or two. And then the swelling went down and my ankle felt fine while walking on it. But then when I was went to try to run, there was just all sorts of stuff in my ankle that didn't feel right in like the bottom of my foot and everything. And after like a half mile, it was almost like too painful to run. But as soon as I started walking again, it was fine. And so was the, the treatment, did they like pop it into alignment or was it just rest? Rest was yeah. the cure. They call it like manipulation or whatever they, it's, um, they can do it either. It was by the bottom of my foot. They just put pressure on the bottom of your foot and they can just pop it back in. Yeah. it sounds. Did it hurt? No, No. (laughs) that bad. No. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's good. And your race, I'm looking at your splits here right now. You had a great day in Brazil. Uh, you finished fourth place. I think this was only your third Ironman and you, you ran a 321. So when I'm like hearing about this ankle injury and you still managed to finish, but it sounds like it was mostly post-race that you were feeling it. Um, but how, how do you feel about your day in general? Yeah. You know, um, we heard it was supposed to just rain hard all day, which to me, I kind of like racing in the rain. And, um, I I'd rather it be rainy than real hot and sunny. So, um, it, it wasn't really rainy until I guess like the first 20 to 30 miles on the bike. And then it started, it was very windy and started, you know, raining hard, but, um, you know, I, I had a, a decent swim for me and, um, I did, I was a little more cautious on the bike because of the roads were so wet and just, I didn't want to have any accidents <laughs> on the bike. Um, so yeah, once I got to the run, um, I kind of just split it up in my mind, like it's four laps. So I try not to think of it being a marathon because that sounds really long. <laughs> so yeah, just um, tried to to pace myself well and not go out too fast. The last five, five, four or five miles is always, you know, the hardest, but <laughs> it, it was good. Yeah, I was happy with my race. And with the rain, I think a lot of our listeners will kind of relate to well, you didn't say this, but they, they worry, right. They have anxiety sometimes like are around rain for a race day. And then you're saying like, I actually like it, prefer it. Right. In that instance, right. It means cloud cover. It means it's going to be a little cooler. Um, but you know, tell our listeners for a minute or two here, do you do anything specific? Like, um, I know like people might wonder, do you put on more clothes? Do you wear your, you know, the visor, do you wear sunglasses? Like, do you change things up when you know you're going into a race? That's going to be pretty rainy, especially on the bike. I think that's more where we have to manage it. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people were worried about it being cold, which it was probably in around in the sixties, but I, I prefer colder weather. So I was, fine and just my normal kit but um some people did you know put on rain jackets and gloves and stuff just to stay warm um but you kind of get to know your own body and you know what temperature is good for you and when you need to put on more clothes and so um yeah I just I knew it was going to be a good good temperature for me and um especially I enjoy it in the run but the bike you know it's it is a little annoying sometimes (laughs) it's just raining hard on the bike but 
like oh. all the roads gray and like tire juice just in your face. It's like, it gets old after it's like a facial for a few hours. <laughs> yeah. Extra careful. There are some hills and stuff and the, the roads, uh, we had a lane coned off, but there was traffic on the other side. So you still had to look out for cars too. I, uh, where does your, your love of the cold come from? Because I believe you, you live mo- primarily in Florida, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did um, grow up in Illinois for a while, so um, I've just always been very warm. I remember being a kid and going playing out in the snow. My mom would be like, you know, put your coat on, put your coat on. I'd be like, I'm sweating. I'm hot. And she like didn't believe me. And then she would be like, oh, you are sweating. I'm like, I've just always been like a, my body temperature is just like warm. <laughs> how do you cope with living in Florida and how did you end up there? Yeah, I actually have been coming to Colorado in the summer because it is just too hot in Florida in the summer. It's it's very humid and just you got to get out really early in the morning. So I I mean, I do would do most of my training even like uh, March and April. Sometimes it'll get hot during the day. So the morning is the best time to get out there and do your your biking and running. And Brittany, Brazil, we said was your third Ironman, but you're definitely not a rookie to professional triathlon racing. You've been racing the 70.3 distance since 2014. Um, so what has been your strategy? I think kind of these recent seasons, you have been sprinkling an Ironman distance in. So what has been the strategy as you approach longer distance racing? Like this is kind of, I don't know, would you call this mid season, I guess, for people, um, so, you know, do you try and slot it in based on where you want to race or like a specific time of the year or how do you approach it? Well, I try to spread out my races. Um, 70.3s, I don't think I need as much time in between, but I try not to plan anything really after an Ironman just because you need like more recovery sometimes. And you never know because um, it seems like some of them if later in the season, you might recover faster. The beginning of the season, sometimes it might take you a little longer to recover. But um, I actually have really been liking the Ironman distance. I just started it. Like, I guess Ironman Florida was my first one two years ago. Not Maybe not even two years. But um, I, I do like the distance. It's challenging and it's a little different than the 70.3. But um, I, yeah, I have learned a lot about how I race and how I need like time in between my races because, you know, doing too many in a row sometimes will really wear you down. You don't have time to recover and then build up again and taper and everything. So spreading them out definitely is a key. And you do race quite a few 70.3 still and shorter distance races. Um, like, I think we were looking like nearly 40 professional 70.3 finishes. And then I know I just saw you at St. Anthony's. I've seen you at the clash races, which are shorter distances. Um, like, I'm just curious about when you approached your career, did you think you would always stay at the shorter distance and then somewhere along the line, got the Ironman bug, or do you still prefer that shorter distance? And you're just like, I'll just do Ironman because it's a good experience. Well, I started off doing like sprint races because I was probably like 12 when my dad made me do my first triathlon. He was really into triathlons and he would always bring me to his races and he's fine. Like, you got to do them now. And I actually liked them. So sprinting, the sprint races real short was where I started. 
And I thought, you know, St. Anthony's Olympic distance was really long. So I was always scared of distance for some reason. I just wanted to do shorter stuff. But um, yeah, finally, one of my friends talked me into doing a 70.3 and I liked it. You know, it's just a, it's a little more challenging, you know, than the shorter distance. Um, But I put off doing Ironmans for quite a while. I was, I'm intimidated still by the marathon (laughs) after the bike ride. So it's just, you know, I was really scared about, you know, so many people just blow up after the bike ride and just walking a whole marathon would be, you know, really challenging. So (laughs) I've done it. It's bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm super cautious on the bike still. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I still have some things to learn at the, the long distance. Um, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't get into it. Just, I like to keep it shorter. I think I was just a little intimidated by it. But what got you over that intimidation? Did someone finally say they were like, Hey, it's actually not that bad. Or was it just like, okay, I want, I want this life experience. I want to see what that feels like. Yeah, a few people would t- were telling me that I would really like it. And then I was like, maybe I would like it. And so I, you know, figured if you really train for it, I mean, how hard can it be, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I I just decided to try it. I was like, I'm getting older. And it seems like as you get older, sometimes distance is better for you. Um, the short distance is just for now for me. I don't know. It's It's really fast. <laughs> it's gotten even faster, you know. Um, so I do, yeah, prefer, it seems like the longer 70.3, the full. And within those, you know, 40 plus races and the 70.3s they finished, do you have a favorite race course that you would recommend people have to do? Hmm. That's a good question. There's a lot of good races out there. Um, I, I really liked, um, Warsaw in Poland. That was a really, a really cool race um there's peru was it south america they really come out and cheer for you and but i think um pukan 70.3 that one was amazing like the the people that came out the course was like nothing i'd ever seen on the run course um it was beautiful and that was one that you know you you should do and experience it because it was it was uh it was quite um an experience yeah, I loved Bacone. If I can get myself fit enough in January to do that course, because it that run course, as you say, is memorable. Um, not yes. just for the fans, <laughs> but um, but it is. If you're fit enough in January, it's a fantastic race. I agree with you there. But I am curious, you mentioned all these international races and Um, it seems like that has been kind of a trend for you, especially like, you know, in this later part of your career, which is also something that I I think Alyssa and I have both also done is kind of use triathlon to go to these places that we wouldn't maybe necessarily take a vacation there on our own. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about like why, and you decided to, to travel to some of these races? Yeah. Um, I think when I first started racing pro, I was working full time. And I did all of pretty much things that were close to Florida. A lot of them were hotter races. I did like New Orleans and there's Augusta and just a lot of stuff on the East Coast. And I did a lot of the races again and again, Chattanooga, you know, a lot of times. And I think I kind of, I got tired of doing the same races over and over. And then I just didn't have time. I couldn't fly 
places, you know, cause I had to be back for work and it was just, it was really stressful working full-time, trying to train full-time and then travel. Um, so now I have a little bit more time and I like to travel. I like to experience new races and it's just, it's a lot of fun just, you know, going and seeing new places and new, having new courses and everything. And what is it that you do for work? Cause now are you part-time at the same like job or did you kind of switch career stuff to do a part-time? I, I worked at uh, Clearwater beach as a lifeguard for, I guess for like nine or 10 years. So I was working there full time and that was tough because it was hot working there every day. And then I'd be training in the morning and it was hot and I'd go to work and sit outside. And, um, I did that probably for like four years. And then I started working part-time there, but I still didn't really have enough time. We would work some 10 hour days and it's just really tough to get the training. in. so um, two, probably like two and a half years ago, I, uh, switched to, I do insurance now and it's more flexible. I can work from home and I can work from where I travel. So, um, that's really worked out well and I enjoy it. So <laughs> it's been a good change. Is beach lifeguarding just like they watch? I mean, <laughs> I mean the movie, not the show <laughs> or both. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes we we don't just get people you know make sure people don't get sunburned but it, it actually clear water it's scary. intense though right I mean I feel like I mean I joke I joke but um I remember when Aaron Pearsall who was like I think at the time the world record holder in the 200 backstroke was trying to become a beach lifeguard in California and how like sh- like extreme it was and how hard it was even him has this like decorated American swimmer to get the job because it's hard. And then it's actually like a really, really demanding job. And then obviously part of pop culture as well. So, um, I just, I, I think you're the first person we've had on the show who has that kind of past career. Yeah. It's, I mean, it gets really busy, especially holiday weekends and just summers. It's, uh, we always have something happen, you know, it's, it's hot out, people pass out. It's, we really have emergencies all sometimes every day during the summer, but, um, yeah, it can be, it can be stressful, but you get used to it. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's a fun job. I did have fun. We had, did some... you ever see a shark there? Yeah, there's sharks, but they don't really bother people. <laughs> I don't know. I guess they do in the panhandle, but <laughs> do you have tips for people? I mean, we are in summer now. Do you have tips for people if they are going to the beach to, uh, keep themselves safe? Yeah. I mean, one tip would be to stay hydrated and, you know, not go out too far. Really. It's not worth it to go out far and swim in a lifeguarded area. You never know when you actually might need help. Even if you're a great swimmer, you know, there's currents and there are sharks. (laughs) Yeah. I actually watched this thing on the news the other day about riptides and like they showed the picture and how to recognize it and how like the riptide is the area that looks the calmest. And it was like mind blowing to me. I was like, I did not know this. I would have dove right into that whole area and been like, Oh, I'm fine here. But anyway, Brittany, we're not going to ask you too much about lifeguarding. So, (laughs) um, in this season of racing, you were on the podium at 70.3 Pocone in January And then you headed to Peru and you didn't finish that race, but clearly you kind of were able to like rally and come back and be in a good place. I'm assuming to be able to like focus and hit it pretty hard at Brazil and where you did great. So 
what was your strategy to come back from a tough day in Peru for that, for a strong day in Brazil? Well, yeah, that was a surprise to me because my training had been going really well and I had been training for Ironman Brazil. And I think maybe I was a little fatigued, maybe going into it. And then on top of it, it was very hot. It was very humid. So um, that does not help me either. (laughs) But um, I, I did know that it, wasn't really my fitness. It was, it was something else. Cause I just had, didn't feel good. And I felt like I was going to throw up. It was just, it wasn't like, you know, I felt like I was out of shape or anything. So, um, yeah, I just had to kind of, it took me like a week or so to forget about it and, you know, put my head down and start training for, for Ironman Brazil again. Um, but yeah, I, I think sometimes you just have to move past it and just forget it and, try to focus on the good part, which is, you know, you're not injured and you are not sick and you can still train and, you know, it's been going well. So keep it going. And that did pay off. Uh, I believe you got a 70.3 world spot in Pucon. Uh, is that your plan for the rest of the season? Are you headed to Finland? Yes. Yeah, that is the plan. Um, I may do a race after that one too. And then maybe Ironman Florida, but um, yeah, that'll probably be the next one. I had planned on doing Oregon 70.3, but um, since I couldn't run for like three to four weeks after Brazil, I figured I should probably just get back into shape and, you know, focus on, on worlds. Yeah. And have you checked out that world's course at all? I mean, I guess virtually, um, are you excited about Finland? I don't think we've talked much about Finland yet on our show. And so um, if you have any insight, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. Um, I think it's a lake, it's a lake swim. And I have looked at, at YouTube, some of the videos of the bike course. I think it might have some rolling hills, but it's not like, I don't believe it's like St. George. Um, but yeah, it looks like it's a really, it's going to be a really awesome course. And I think the run is mostly flat in around town. Um, the only problem I think is that the town is kind of small. So I think athletes will probably have to stay elsewhere, like somewhere around there and just travel in for the day. That's what I plan on doing. Cause the accommodation in like near the race site is pretty hard. Are you traveling in by car or by train? Like what, what is the transportation like there? Yeah, I think they actually have good, um, train transportation. That's what they've said. And they may have, I think they're going to have some earlier, cause I don't think the train starts until 6am. So they're going to have it, um, start earlier on race day. Oh, good. That's right training from Helsinki. Oh, cool. Have you been to Finland before? I haven't. No. Yeah. Me neither. I think me that's going to be, I know. you haven't, I know. I was like curious. Tell us about how it is. Yeah. Um, Brittany, are you working with a coach right now or are you self-coach? Uh, yes. I'm working with, uh, Jim Vance is my coach. Okay. And so how, like, you know, I think he's pretty data driven. Right. And so you talked a little bit about how the Ironman marathon is pretty intimidating for you. So, um, you know, is, do you have a way that you are approaching the bike then in the Ironman to like make you more comfortable? Cause you are quite a strong runner, right? So I'm sure you want to kind of use that prowess as you continue to take on iron distance racing. And so do you strategize together about kind of how to build your confidence with the bike leg leading you into a strong run? Yeah. Um, so far I, I just totally go by power and I try not to react too much to what's going on around me, um, until like towards the end of the bike. 
because you get caught up, you know, too much into it um, in the beginning and, and it's a long race. So um, I try to, yeah, just stick with my power. And, um, and usually that if, if you know what your power numbers should be, that can set you up for, for a good run. Brittany, you mentioned your dad earlier and how he was a triathlete and that's how you got your start in the sport as a kid. Um, can you talk a little bit more about growing up, watching your dad doing triathlons and how that got you into the sport? And I mean, you're still part of it. So like, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, kind of something that we did together and my sister would actually do, um, triathlons too. So when I was younger and I had to do, you know, my first race when I was like 11 or 12 years old, at least she was with me. So <laughs> I could, you know, just follow her in the swim or something, but it was fun. We would always have fun. Um, they're all, you know, short races and in Florida, there's a lot of, of races, you know, close to our house. So we would, it seemed like we were doing them a lot in the summer. They would have them on the weekends, but, um, yeah, it was something we really enjoyed. And my dad and I would also do relays because I was intimidated to do the whole, um, St. Anthony. So he would do the bike part of it and I would do like the swim or the run. So, um, <clears throat> Yeah, back back when I was younger, you know, it was just guys in their speedo riding around on their aluminum bikes, but <laughs> it was fun, you know. Does your dad still race and does your sister still race? No, they don't. Um my sister Do they come to cheer for you? Uh once in a while, yeah. If it's like a, a local race like St. Anthony's or something, they'll they'll come out and cheer for me. But um yeah, my sister did do a few 70.3s. Um, she's pretty good at them, but uh, yeah, she hasn't, she hasn't done them recently. She has, she has a couple kids, younger kids. So that keeps it busy. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you would have been a perfect candidate for NCAA triathlon if it had been around back then, because you were still so familiar with the sport as a child. Um, do you follow NCAA triathlon at all? Yeah, I have. Um, I have thought that too, you know, too bad. It wasn't at my school, uh, when I was in college, I did run track and cross country in college, but, um, yeah, I would have, it would have been nice. It would have been something fun to do. And do you have any advice for someone who, you know, maybe has a child that they are getting into triathlon, right. Or something, um, kind of at a younger age to help them maintain longevity in the sport without kind of burning out. Yeah. You know, I think it just has to be something that is fun for them to do and uh, something that they enjoy. Um, if it's, if they don't and they're, you know, not wanting to go to races and do it, then don't force them because it's, you know, it won't, it won't turn out well, but, but yeah, it's, if you make it fun and, and they're enjoying it, then I think that will, will make you, um, be in the sport longer. It, it does have its ups and downs. Like there's many times I've wanted to quit, but, um, you know, you, you, get over that and move on. What kind of like gear were you using when you first started racing? Like, did you have hand-me-downs from like your dad that you guys piecemealed together or and, like, at what point were you like, all right, I should get like better gear or like, when did that start coming into play for you? Yeah. My, um, my stepmom used to ride a bike. And so my dad would always be like, Oh, just ride your stepmom's bike, you know? And it's just, you know, it was probably the nicer bike in the garage, but um, I would just hop on whatever bike we had and just ride it. Um, and then one time he was finally like, okay, for your birthday, I'll, I'll order you a bike. And he got me like some road bike and I did my first St. Anthony's on it, you know, with running shoes on and just, <laughs> that's how I, I started out. 
but what um, is it like to go back to St. Anthony's now as like a pro? And I mean, is it so weird? Cause you've been going to that race for so long. Yeah, it is. It is. It, it, it seems like it's a little different now, but, um, it is uh, fun to go back and reminisce, you know, it's only like 30 minutes from where I live. So I, I don't really do it that often though, because it's, it's, it's kind of short for me, you know, Olympics are the swim is longer compared to, you know, the, the bike and the run and it's always hot. It's hot in Florida. (laughs) You mentioned, you mentioned fun earlier and just like keeping it fun. I am curious, like, has your definition of fun changed throughout your career? Because I mean, and initially it might've been just like, Oh, I get to do something with my dad, but then Uh, and then, you know, you mentioned getting to travel as a way to keep it fun. Do you have advice for, for people who, you know, who are losing the fun? Like, how do you keep that, you know, definition of fun? Do you change things up and find something else that keeps you in it? Well, I think sometimes it starts to not be fun when you're maybe overtraining or you're trying so hard to, you know, get to a certain goal and you're not getting there. Sometimes you have to like reassess your goals and, and be realistic and um, work towards them, but um, not let it, you know, completely, you got to have fun along the way. It is different now because um, now it's more about, you know, you have to, it's obviously more intense training and it's, to me, it's more still fun because it's a challenge and it's, you know, you set goals and it's still the same thing. You're challenging yourself to get to certain goals. And while your goals and I have changed, it's still the challenge that, that keeps it fun. And Brittany, your husband, Paul Higgins, is a well-known photographer on the triathlon circuit. And so we're kind of curious about what that dynamic is like, you know, because when you both would go to an event, you're both there now working, right? And so how does that kind of play out? Is there, you know, like, yeah, I'm sure you can talk a little bit about that for us because it is a very unique situation where you're both going to be on the job on race day. Yeah. It started out, he would just, you know, come to my races, support, and he would take some photos because he likes photography. And um, and then he started taking more photos of, like, the women's race because, really, there weren't a whole lot of photographers out there taking uh, pictures of the women's race. It seemed like the men were covered a little better. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of how it started for him, like, getting into photography. And it's, it's a nice set. He, he has, you know, something he likes to do while I'm out there racing too. And it, it works out really well. Do you ever, um, like wonder where he is on course or like, you're like, wait, why can't he give me a split? Because he's out like taking photos somewhere. Um, no, sometimes I just kind of zone out and I don't even hear him sometimes. or I don't even see him and I'll be like, wow, I didn't know you were right there taking that photo, you know, I'd be like, oh, I was hiding, you know, <laughs> something like that. But he does, he, I, I do hear him sometimes. And especially if I'm in like an international race where there's hardly any English, you know, I'll, I'll hear him for sure. But he does sometimes give me slits on the run and that's really helpful. And he, he shows up who knows where along the course, you know, you never know where he's going to show up. So it's, it's nice to have him out there. That's for sure. Yeah. We'll encourage everyone to check out that Higgy baby photography, um, uh, to see some of his great shots of all the women. And, um, he does do an excellent, excellent job. We are lucky to have him out there on course. And, um, you know, he's, I, I feel like he does seem pretty neutral as far as like taking photos of everyone and probably providing support, but I'm glad he gives you, he does give you the occasional split. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, yeah. Sometimes he doesn't, but <laughs> most of the time he does. And Brittany, we do love dogs here at the Iron Women podcast. And I think you are also a dog mom as well. So can you tell us about your dog? Yes. Yeah. We actually have two dogs. Uh, do they little... look alike? I was trying to figure this out on your Instagram and I couldn't figure out if it was like one or two and if they looked alike. And then I was like flashing between photos and I was like, I'm just going to ask her. This is what I, this is the question. <laughs> I had a dog for 17 years. It was a little Yorkie. And um, she passed away. And so within another year, I, I got another Yorkie and I just love him. He's adorable. But um, we also have another wiener, do- a wiener dog, too. So they don't look alike. But I think our- I met I met Smokey. Is that the Yorkie yes. at um, at St. Anthony's? Um, yeah. I'm, I met Smokey at the pro meeting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. He's so cute. We gave him his own Instagram account. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much for, for coming on the show today. We've really enjoyed talking to you and we wish you the best of luck. Glad your ankle's feeling better and we can't wait to follow you in Finland and beyond. Yes. Thank you guys so much for talking with me today. I've enjoyed it. Okay, Haley. I am all sorts of fired up for the racing that's to come this month. And I think you are kicking it off this weekend at the PTO open. Can you remind us how we can watch you in the race? Yes. The race is Saturday, August 5th at 4 p.m. Central Time. Uh, you can head to protriathletes.org and there's a lot of links for how to watch the live event. I think there's a YouTube PTO hub. Uh, you can open it in your web browser. There's the PTO Plus app, lots of options. And then if you miss that one and you want to just watch it on regular broadcast, uh, if you have CNBC, you can watch it on Sunday August 6th, 1 p.m. Eastern time. There's a, I think a two hour highlight show, which I think will show the men and the women, or if you're in Milwaukee, come, come out and cheer and, uh, you know, throw, throw me a couple like go Haley's. <laughs> yes. Or the live podcast recording on Thursday as well. Um, all of that will be a good time. I'm excited for, hey, have you been to Milwaukee before Haley? I have like, like been through Milwaukee. I raced Racine 70.3 years ago. And so I think I flew into Milwaukee and that race is a little south of Milwaukee, but I haven't like spent a significant amount of time, but I've heard really good things. They've hosted the USAT age group nationals in the past and people just seem to really, really enjoy the race there. So I think it's a, it's supposed to be a really good venue and it should be really fast racing and you know, it's a decent prize purse. Uh, so hopefully I get a little slice of that too. Yeah. Well, I am looking forward to recovering from a night of Taylor Swift and queuing up the coverage and watching you do what you do. I'm excited for you. I think, uh, I was telling you this a little bit before we recorded, but I feel like you always rise to the occasion with some of these races that are like super fast and, you know, really hard. (laughs) So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching you rise to the occasion once again and doing well. So good luck, Kaylee. Thank you. I hope, I hope I live up to expectations and you have so much fun at Taylor Swift. I can't wait to hear about it. Bye Haley. You've been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Lydia Russell and produced by Ellen Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.